Well, guess what we're talking about today? Been going through some of the Old Testament giants in the Word of God, and we are now with Moses. So take your Bible and turn to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. I asked the college kids the other day, I says, where was Moses born? They says, Israel. Israel. Well, doggy. Anybody know where, um, besides Tom, Tom is off, and he's not allowed to answer the question. Where was Moses born? In Egypt. An old godly saint here says Egypt, and she is correct. He was born down in Egypt. And why was he born in Egypt? Because that's where his mother was. Don't that make sense? His mother was there. So anyway, things were going on. And, um, you know, the uh, other day they had a thing about whether or not, is Jeb Bush going to run for president? Jeb Bush. Now, well, I already had two Bushes. Now this will be the third Bush. And uh, somebody asked if is the Jewish people going to vote for Jeb Bush? They said, no. Says last time we had a talking Bush, we spent 40 years in the wilderness. So I, I know I just made that up. I mean, that's not, that really wasn't on the news. But it should have been on the news. It should have been there. So um, the question is, God had a plan. And his plan goes all the way back from the beginning, before he ever made the man, before he created the heavens and the earth. God knew what needed to be done. And so he created the world, and he even knew what Satan was going to do. He even knew what Adam and Eve was going to do. He also knew what, uh, you know, the flood was on its way, and uh, what he was going to do with Noah and his three sons and their wives, and how that everything would start all over again. See, God had a plan that he was going to institute. And he made a promise to a man named Abraham that I'm going to justify people by faith and faith alone. So they couldn't earn it. They're going to have it free. So he made the promise. But he um, says that uh, it's going to come to the nation of Israel. Well, at this time, there was no nation of Israel. So God began to work on how he was going to do all of this, using people and yet not overriding their wills, but letting people make decisions. See, God doesn't pre-program us to say we have to do this and we have to do that. God will allow you to make decisions, good ones and bad ones, and allow you to suffer consequences of your good ones and bad ones. So whatever it might be. Otherwise, there's no responsibility. But there is responsibility between us and God. And so the Lord says, you do this and... I'm going to do this. And if you do this, I'm going to do this. So that's why we have chastening in the scriptures. Where God chastens individuals, God chastens families, God chastens church, God chastens nations. God is going to chasten the whole world. Because you can't just do whatever you want to do without consequences. So God is teaching us that as you go through scriptures. What kind of a person does God use? Well, he's looking for those perfect individuals. No. If he was looking for perfect ones, there wouldn't be anybody to use. Everybody is a sinner. We're all fallen, and we all need a, a Savior. So God has Israel down in Egypt, and when they went down, there was, there was about 70 of them total. And now, after all these years, about 400 years later, that's almost twice 
the age of America. And now here comes all this persecution upon the children of Israel. And Pharaoh, the Bible says, there arose a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. And so they begin to be afraid of the Jewish people because they're down there in Israel and in Egypt. And they said, well, if they was to side with some other nation, they could whoop us. And so they became afraid. Well, God knew all of this. And they made slaves out of them and worked them. And then told their wives of the Jewish people that if you have a child and if it's a man, you got to kill the man. This is abortion way back then. You got to kill all the boy babies because that way it would keep them from having too many and uh, overthrowing their nation if they chose to do so. Well, all this slavery also prepared those Jewish people to be pretty tough because of what God was going to. I bet there was one lean, mean machine. And this was before the Marines. And they were going to go into the wilderness. And God was going to use them in a great way. But he had to have a leader. He had to have a leader. So it says here in chapter 1 of the book of Exodus, if you'll notice there, look in verse 11. And verse 11 says, Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. So they really laid it down. Then 9 in verse 15 it says, And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shiphrah, and the name of the other, Pua, and says, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools. If it be a son, then ye shall kill him. If it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men, children alive. So they didn't get their wish and everything. But the thing to remember here is that some feared the Lord. And they disobeyed Pharaoh. Some people say, well, you know, you're supposed to obey the law that's over you regardless. Well, if everybody that knew the Lord obeyed the kingdom that's over, uh, then Paul would not have been beheaded. Peter would not have been crucified upside down. None of these apostles would have died because they would have just always did whatever the government tells them to do. And when they commanded them not to speak in his name, well, they would have done that. We wouldn't have been reading about Daniel in the lion's den because he wouldn't have been in the lion's den. He would have just stopped and not prayed. I don't want to violate the law of the land. And the three Hebrew children that were thrown into the fiery furnace, well, they wouldn't have been in there. Why? Because, well, they would have just been and bowed and, and did whatever the king said. No, it's because they violated the laws, unrighteous laws of those that were in authority over them. And you have the same thing that's mentioned here and many other places. So he says here, these people did not do what they wanted done. But anyway, they began to multiply. And in verse 21, And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Well, they took one, and they did throw him into the river. <laughs> I guess you could say Moses was the first basket case. They put him in a basket. They weaved it with some tar and so on, you know, so it wouldn't sink and put them afloat. Now, 
Isn't it wonderful when you stop and think about this? Here's this woman of Israel. She has a child. They saw that it was a goodly child. And after about three months, I guess they couldn't hide this little baby any longer. So they put it into a, a little basket and put it into the Nile River. And uh, the mama has the baby. The daughter, she would follow and see what was going to happen to the baby. And lo and behold, there was Pharaoh's daughter down there at the river taking a bath. Now, I've been there, and you don't want to take a bath in that river today. Now, at one time, it might have been a nice, clean river. That is not a nice, clean river today. I mean, it's, it's more like a, a, a septic system. Anyway, so down there taking a bath, and all of a sudden, they hear this little baby, and they got this little baby. And so the little Jewish girl, you know, wind up going to get mama to work for the Pharaoh's daughter so that she could raise the baby. So God had Moses raised in Pharaoh's house and was looked after by his own mom. Wasn't that wonderful how God intervened and did all of that? I think it's awesome. I really do. Then you see there in verse 7, chapter 2, Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? Hey, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. My, my, my. How God can intervene in situations. God had a plan. And when God has a plan, He can work things in the strangest of ways. You and I are supposed to believe that He's doing the same thing in our life. You see, he, that woman of Pharaoh's daughter just happened to be there at the right time. And everything just worked out just right. I believe in the providence of God. That God is working in our lives. We don't always see and understand how He's doing it. But we're supposed to believe that He is. And so now you look there in uh, verse 10 where he says, And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, said, Because I drew him out of the water. And when it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, that he spied an Egyptian, smite in the Hebrew, one of his workers. So when he saw that, he decided to take a stand for the people of God. When he took this stand, it was, um, he killed the Egyptian and he hid him in the sand. And later on, somebody told him, says, are you going to kill us? Because they were fighting against each other. And he said, what are you going to do? You're going to bury us under the sand too? Who made you a prince and a judge over us? See, Moses knew and believed God was going to use him to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt. But they didn't want him. He was rejected. So now in fear of his life from Pharaoh, because he, he knew that this thing was known, he ran into the backside of a desert and was there for 40 years. He spent 40 years of his life learning and gaining in all the wisdom of Egypt and how to be a leader. Now God had him on the backside of a desert, unlearning them, teaching him something new. And then when he was 80 years old, 80 years old, God came to him and says, hey, I got a job for you. Moses, I don't want the job. He said, I don't want to do that. So anyway, the Lord came to him and spoke to him through a burning bush. 
Look what it says here in verse 4 of chapter 3. Verse 4 of chapter 3 says, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he says, Here am I. And he says, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the afflictions of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So God sees and hears, so he knows the problem, and he has a plan. I'm going to send a man down there and tell him, says, now you go down there and you tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Well, it didn't all just jive with Moses. Moses had a problem with all of this. But first of all, I want you to hold your place right here and turn over there to the book of Acts. The book of Acts and chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. I believe it's chapter 7. It's a good chapter anyway. Acts chapter 7. And notice what it says here. As you get from the Word of God in the New Testament, a consolidated, you know, capsule of uh, what is going on. What happened way back then? Stephen is a deacon and he's preaching maybe his first sermon, but I do know it was his last one. Because they killed him. So he said some things that they really didn't like. And this is after the resurrection of Christ. You'll notice there in verse 20 of Acts chapter 7. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. Just like it says in the Old Testament where we read it. When he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up, nourished him for her own son. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, was mighty in words and in deed. And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Now, I believe that that was by God. It came into his heart. He had to make a decision. And in verse 24, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed, now get this, he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. So at this point, did Moses know and believed that he was supposed to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. No. Says so. But the people didn't believe that. And they didn't understand that. So he has a problem on his hand. I committed myself. And they, look what he says in verse 26. The next day he showed himself unto them as they strove. And would have set them at one again saying, sirs, ye are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? 
Will thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at this saying, and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. And when forty years were expired, okay, that would make him how old? Eighty years old. And he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. So he had to be a one smart man, mighty in word and deed. Get that, mighty in word. That means in what he says and in what he did. He was next in line to be Pharaoh. Boy, he had it made. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. Hebrews in chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us a little bit more of an insight into Moses. Notice what it says in verse 23. Now we're talking about the hall of faith chapter, what God looks at. And in the hall of faith chapter, God doesn't record all of their faults and flaws and failures. And yet you read all these things and these people listed in chapter 11, uh, when you read the Old Testament, God records a lot of things that they said and did. And they were mad and bitter and upset and rebellious and, you know, did all kinds of things. But when you look at it from the faith part, God, that's what God records. And I like that. Because all the things that they did was wrong has been forgiven. Look what he says in verse 23. By faith, Moses. Now, because this is because of what Moses believed. When he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, he could have, but he had to make a choice. This is what everybody has to decide. In other words, we're always making decisions, choosing and so when you're limited in knowledge, you're limited in ministry. So you need to have correct knowledge to make the right decisions. Now, notice what he says here in verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, he could have stayed where he was at, all the riches of Egypt, and uh, he had it all. Or he could give that up and suffer with the people of God. What would you have done? For a little fame and honor and power and glory, uh, I think I'll just stay and be the Pharaoh. No, he made a decision. Why did God use him? Because he, he made this decision before he went into the desert. He made this decision first. And he thought that the people would understand, but they didn't understand. But he committed himself only to be rejected. You'd be surprised as you live your life. You can commit yourself, I'm going to do this for the Lord and this for the Lord. And you think, well, everybody's going to be for it. And they don't care. They don't care about your dedication to God, how much you love God. Because see, if somebody else, is, if they're not in that same mindset, they don't understand why you do what you do. Before I ever went to Florida Bible College and I told them I was going to Florida Bible College, I was told, you'll never finish. You're making the mistake of your life. What are you going to be when you go out of Bible College? The Bible? And they didn't say, how are you going to make a living, you know, going to Bible College? I didn't have a clue. I didn't know you could get paid being a pastor. 
<laughs> I, never, I never thought about being a preacher. All I want to do is just learn how to tell people how to go to heaven. I just didn't want people to go to hell. And I didn't know that you could have a whole ministry your whole life doing this for over 50-something years. God knew that, but I didn't know that. I just wanted to know more about God's Word. I wanted to know this Bible. So I went to Bible school. Sounds like a reasonable thing to do. But notice what he says here in verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasure in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, get this, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He didn't see God, but by faith he did. By faith he didn't see those rewards he would get, but by faith he did. You see, we're to walk by faith, not by sight. Not by what you see with the natural eyes. But by faith believing that when I get to heaven, it will be worth it all. And therefore, you can go ahead and serve God. And it doesn't matter what the world says or does. It doesn't matter whether they accept you or reject you. As long as you do what's right between you and God, nothing else really matters. Seek to please the Lord above everything else. Choose. Choosing. Those words are pitting him. That means he had a choice. He could have chose the other way. But he chose to serve God. And nobody can make you serve God. Nobody can make you love God. Nobody can make you walk with God. We can try to make our children obey certain rules or suffer the consequences. But you can't make them right with you and have a good attitude. You have a good attitude or else it's wonderful if we can make a person have a good attitude. But generally that's their option, isn't it? Now you may beat the tar out of them and half kill them, but that's still sometimes it doesn't help one iota. You ever spank the kid and they become more rebellious? That's what God says in Isaiah chapter 1. He says, I have whooped you and whooped you and whooped you. You're sick from the head of your, top of your head to the sole of your foot. You're one sick individual. And that's how he described Israel. You're sick. Because they would not obey him. And so he laid down the law. Now, go back there to the book of Exodus. Back to Exodus. God comes to him and says, now, I got a job for you. Now, this is what I want you to do. And notice there in verse 21 of Exodus in chapter 2. It says in verse 21, and Moses was, and here, what's that next word? Content. content. He was content to dwell where he was, doing what he was doing. Now, remember what he was. Now he's working with a bunch of sheep and goats. And then you look there in verse 23, and it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died. The children of Israel sighed by reason of their bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. God heard their groanings. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. So because of this, God called to Moses. So Moses was, um, well, he was walking out in the hills one day, and next thing you know, he saw something that looked kind of strange. A bush was on fire. And so he says here in verse 2, 
Let me just read that verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. So Moses now had done found a, a young lady, got married, had a couple kids, and blah, blah, blah. And he has a father-in-law, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. That's why you often hear me say, on the backside of the desert for 40 Well, that's what it was. The Word of God says that. And verse 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burnt. That would get your attention, wouldn't it? Now remember, Moses is now 80 years old, and God had never spoke to him. And then all of a sudden, on the backside of a desert, upon the side of a mountain, a bush is on fire. God got his attention. Do you think all this time God knew exactly where Moses was on the backside of that desert? Knew who he had married? Know that he was content? Sometimes we don't like to get out of our comfort zone. We don't want God to shake up our world. A lot of people, they get in a, a groove and they say, let me alone. And the job of the preacher is to try to make everybody as uncomfortable as possible. I'm supposed to try to stir you up. I'm supposed to try to get you to do something. And let me say, look, don't rock the boat. Let me alone. And so you try to comfort the afflicted and try to afflict the comforted. Sounds like a wonderful job, doesn't it? So that's what you're trying to do. And um, as you go through here and you see these things, and he says, uh, Moses, I got a job for you. Moses says, not me. I'm out of here. So he says here in verse 6, Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the afflictions of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. Now remember this. Wasn't it God that allowed the famine to come in order for Jacob to take his family down into Egypt? God produced the problem that created the solution where they would have the best land, greatest safety, so they could grow and multiply. And he says, the Amorites is not full yet, the judgment, the sin upon them. So God had already put a curse upon the son of Ham, which was Canaan, land of Canaan. He was going to give this land to Israel. So he has to judge them and take the land away from them and give it to Israel. So God's got to get them out of there, but God's got to allow things to take place. And in period of time, they turned against the children of Israel. They made them slaves. They got them fit for travel. And then God is going to bring them into the land. And they were to conquer the land and get rid of all the people that were in the land. Israel obeyed partially. Sometimes everything God said and most times not. It's just like us in our Christian life. Do we obey God in every area of our lives? No. Some areas we say, man, I got that nail, I got that nail. But this, and here, that, this is not that bad. I don't see anything wrong with it. 
But we don't want to look at what God says, so we judge it according to our own belief. Now, notice what he says here. In verse 8, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. I'm going to do this. Verse 10, come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses says, whoopee, finally, I get to go. Been waiting 40 years, do I want to go? No, he didn't say that. He was content where he was. And so he says here in verse 11, Moses said unto God, Who am I? This was the first objection to the will of God. Who am I? Remember that little illustration I said when I went up to the counter, the <laughs> airline counter? Do you know who I am? <laughs> he says, I'm a nobody. I don't want to go. Who am I? And you'd be surprised how many people have held back in serving God because they don't feel like, I mean, how can God use me? What value is going to be for me to do this or that and the other? I'm not worth much. I don't have any talent. I don't have any ability. And people low-rate themselves so they can justify not doing something God wants them to do. You remember how that... It says Moses was mighty in word. Now he's got a problem with speaking. Well, he hadn't been speaking for almost 40 years, maybe. He's married now. He's just been listening. <laughs> maybe, well, anyway, I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, well, um, well look at this. I just, I'm jumping the gun, but I just got to throw this in here. Look there in verse 10 of chapter 4. Here's one of the reasons why he says uh, why I can't do it. Remember, everybody thinks, well, Moses just, you know, he was just a, a glory hound. He just wanted to be the number one, the top dog. No, it was anything but that. And Moses said unto the Lord, O oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. Neither hitherfore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. He had an impediment of speech. Lord, you want me to do what? I got trouble speaking. I got trouble talking. Did God know he had his problem? God, you just don't know my problem. Oh, really? Look what he said in verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Who hath made the dumb, or death, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. I just want you to do what I tell you to do. And Moses said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I am not eloquent. I'm not a public speaker. Were there times when Moses had to speak to the whole children of Israel, all of them? Time he had to talk to the elders of the tribes of Israel. And Moses did not want to go. So he began to give God reasons why he ought to get somebody else. And you stop and you look at these, and these are reasons and excuses why people use them today. Now, it didn't work with God. It didn't work with Moses. And when you stand before God, these reasons are not going to hold up. If God wants you to do something, what should you do? Do it. 
When you read the Word of God and you know this is the will of God and what God wants me to do, better do it. Because there's consequences if you don't. Now, what he says. So there in chapter 3 and verse 10, the question was, who am I? Why me? So in verse 11, that I should go into Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. You're not going alone. He was humble enough to realize, I can't do this. This job is too big. But God says, here's how you solve this problem. I will be with you. So you should always believe me and God make a majority. True? You and God make a majority. You and God can do anything God wants you to get done. What you can't do, He will. But what God wants you to do, you can. So, down in verse 13, He says, wait, 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 wait. If I go down there, they're going to ask me, who sent you? And Moses said, I don't even know who you are. What's your name? Look at verse 13. Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. They shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he says, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. The eternal I am. Eternal past, present, future, He is the I Am. When you read in the New Testament talking about Jesus Christ, remember He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the door, I am, I am, I am the light of the world. And so um, when they came to arrest Him and they said uh, something to Him and He says, I am, and they fell backwards, what He was saying is, I'm God. You want to know who I am? This is who I am. So he had an objection, but did God answer the objection? Yes. So you look there at another one. Look down there in chapter 4. Look in verse 1. His other problem that he had, he says, when I came there the first time, and I was going to do this, Lord, they didn't believe me. I was rejected. So it says, who is going to believe that you sent me. So in verse 1, Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? He says, A rod. So he cast it down and it became a serpent. He says, I'm going to do some things that uh, will convince them that you are sent by me. And so it says here, in uh, verse 5, this is the purpose of the miracle, that they may believe. So I'm going to do some things through you so that they will believe you. That the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath prepared unto them. Unto them. Now remember, the nation of Israel is already being stirred where they want to get out. They want deliverance, and this is why the affliction, the sufferings, of their taskmasters against them as slaves has already created this resentment where 
Pharaoh and his men, they, they were afraid of Israel. Israel is crying out to God to deliver them. So the nation of it, everything's being prepared. God prepares things for us, but he doesn't do it on our timetable. You may wait a long time for God to do one thing that you prayed for and took 10 years or 15 years. And then sometimes you'll see God moving and working in your life. I told people this. I said, put everything you have in God's hands. And sooner or later, you'll find God's hand in everything that you're doing. You'll begin to see how God is working and what he's doing. It's a marvelous thing. It really is. So he says, this is what I'm going to do. Look down in verse 8. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee. Now, if they won't believe, you just said they would. If they will not believe. Neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, then they will believe the voice of the latter sign. In other words, I'm going to give another one. And then another one. By the time you got through, how many plagues were there? How many? Ten. He's had to do it ten times before they finally let him go. But finally, they did. And it worked. Look in verse 9. And it shall come to pass, if they will not hear or believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the waters of the river, pour it upon the dry land, and the water shall thou take out of the river, shall become blood upon the dry land. So God says, I got a plan. If option one don't work, I got option two. If that doesn't work, I got option three. And so God has laid it all out so that they could know and understand what's God doing? Trying to talk Moses into doing it. All this is about Moses. Did Moses want to go? He didn't want to go. He was content just doing his thing on the backside of a desert. I told somebody this yesterday. I says, if it wasn't for me knowing what I know, I would rather be on the backside of a mountain up there in Alaska someplace living like a hermit off the land. When I was in Colorado and I had the opportunity, 18 straight years I went elk hunting. And I'd get my Jeep and I'd drive up into those mountains and I'd be up there for a week to two weeks. Every year I did that. I got caught in snowstorms, you know, blizzards, I mean top of a mountain and so on. And nobody would have a clue where I'm at. We didn't have walkie-talkies that would work. Not in those mountains. There's no cell phones. And there was times when I, I would get scared because I realized, you know, here I am in the middle of some dark, you know, brush, and nobody knows where I'm at. It's snowing. You can't see my tracks. And I was trying to follow some bear tracks, and all of a sudden I looked over this here, and I saw about three or four timber wolves coming from both directions and started following the bear tracks that I was following. And I said to myself, Self, you need to get out of here. Because I don't mind with that bear from a long distance. But those timber wolves, that's a different story. They work in packs. They work together. And I thought, I, I don't need to be here. So I, I got out of them. That was only the first time that I really got scared. So there were times. And then I would be walking along with my gun. And I, sometimes I didn't always keep my safety on because I, I wanted to be ready. Because when you see something, you got to shoot quick. So I would be walking, and then I would slip and fall over a log, and that gun would go off. <laughs> I mean, I had that happen on a number of occasions where I would I'd slip and I'd fall over a log because I'm trying to step over something, and my foot would slip, and I'm talking about a couple feet of snow. 
And I thought, it is amazing that I am still alive. And I thank the Lord for watching over me and keeping me alive. But sometimes you, you do things, if it wasn't for what I know, I wonder what I would have done. I probably would have been dead by now. It's been hard enough for God to keep me alive just serving Him. I've had angels that put in for transfers. You know my guardian angels? Everybody's supposed to have one. i got about ten. So God works. But I want you to see this before we quit. Look down in verse 12 of chapter 4. Now therefore go and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. Send somebody else. And verse 4, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he says, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. God already knew Aaron, his brother, was on his way to meet him. And God says, Then we'll use Aaron. But was God pleased with Moses' rebellion? No, he was angry with him. It didn't have to be that way. And you'll find out later, didn't Aaron cause some problems in camp when Moses was up on the mountainside getting the law? He came down and Aaron says, hey, I don't know what happened. I just threw something in the water and this calf comes out. Lion is dying. And he was lying. But then that's another story. We'll get into that next week. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we do thank you for your blessings, for the study of your word. And we know that many times we have questions just like Moses had. But, Father, you didn't accept any of his excuses. We'll wonder someday when we see you what we could have done if we would have not have just said all those no's. So just say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. So bless us today. Give us a good day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.